0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast. Um, I'm Adam Parry, the editor of Event Ministry News and your podcast host today. Um, today, I am actually joined by Kevin Loach, Managing Director of Events Case. And Kevin's role within Events Case is to look after all aspects of sales, marketing, and operations within the UK and EMA region. Uh, Kevin, welcome to today's podcast.
1: Adam, thanks for, thanks for your time.
0: Kevin I want to talk to you about virtual and hybrid events from the technology provider side I've spoken extensively recently to to organisers how they see it Um, but from an international tech provider a company that I know is dealing with some very high profile clients as well I'm really looking forward to getting your kind of angle on it but before we jump into that um, just to paint the picture what's what's your background in events how did you into it and um, a little bit more about, I guess, what you do at Events Case. Yeah, no problem. So
1: um, I've been at Events Case for about a year now, um, and my background is typically enterprise sales, SaaS sales. Um, about four years ago or so, I got into the event technology world with a Vancouver-based company called Event Base, similar, similar names, but different. And they provided specifically sort of premium event apps. So we were working with people like um, South by Southwest, Mobile World Congress, um, SAP, HP, even their series, is, but just, just specifically around the event app side of things. Um, and very premium level. Um, Following on from there, uh, took the move over to Events Case to come on as their MD and really, really exciting because it gave the opportunity to start getting involved with the other aspects of event technology. So, you know, as a real high-level overview of Events Case, we're there to provide every piece of technology you would typically need from pre-events with the event websites and registration and ticketing to on the day facilitating check-in and access control and audience engagement with event apps as well so sort of the the bigger picture of things um and for us events case are what eight eight years old now possibly when you look at it and say well one of the newer players on the market certainly one of the more innovative Um, we're out there talking to a lot of organizations being really innovative in what we do but it just gave that opportunity then to to start working across the broader spectrum um and i think as you mentioned there i'm based out of the head office in the uk um normally in london but but now at home as everyone else is um and just manage the team of the sales guys there product managers and also our team which are based out in dubai
0: amazing mate so yeah Eventspace, who i've known for a long time and then events case i wouldn't call events case one of the new place. i would call it one of the one of the founding event tech companies when I first came in probably not too much further than eight years ago probably oh I've been in the industry about 15 years or so now um I can remember Jose being one of those first kind of um MDs then founders of, of event technology companies that, that I engaged with at the time because my appetite back then it still is today was it was like what is all this great tech? What what can we do with it? And I've seen the evolution of events case quite a lot over the last, you know, eight years or so, um, very much start off as a a platform and then really bolt on um, technologies that are needed by the industry and by organisers to get that holistic kind of all-in-one platform and package. Um, I guess before we start talking a little bit about virtual events then, was... Was hybrid or virtual always part of the events case roadmap or had you already been delivering it um, previously to, to, to the pandemic?
1: No, no. I mean, in all honesty, go back six or seven months and virtual events wasn't really something that we were necessarily focused on. Um, and you'll probably speak to a lot of people in exactly the same way. And that's mainly because it, it just wasn't a massive market. Uh, and the live events we were extremely busy with physical events so no it wasn't something we're specifically focused on.
0: Do you think it'll be for the foreseeable future do you think it's now part and parcel of what will be expected of technology providers like yourself to be able to support those online elements of events however they may kind of look in the future? Uh,
1: I think only time will tell Um, about whether or not there's an appetite to continue working in the virtual world. I think from my perspective, I look at it, and I'm speaking to a lot of people every day about what their events are going to look like. Now, naturally, there's still a huge amount of uncertainty. So we look into September, October, November, December. We don't really know. Um, But I do feel that hybrid is going to be here for a long time. Um, I just think about my own experience experiences and i've got a family here do i want to be traveling probably not so much right now so it might not be the fact that it's laid out in law that we can't host events for larger scale it might just be personal preference and if it's personal preference then there's going to be people that are going to opt to want to do things virtually and therefore it probably is going to be here to stay for quite some time
0: well, that, that leads me quite nicely into, I guess, one of my first questions for you. You know, as, a, as an international company, as a company that has a global footprint um, with offices all around the world and obviously customers all around the world, when do you think we'll start to see events emerge? Do they have dates every, depending on where they are in the world?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, certainly the uh, team out in Dubai, um, when you look at what they're doing now and what the feedback is from there, Qatar are opening up to large-scale events, I think, pretty much within the next few months, Um, and they're starting to run a fair few events. So I think that's going to be the first area where we're going to see more and more live events happening. Um, And then you can speak to some people within the UK who simply say, yeah, actually, no, September is when we're going ahead, or August is when we're going ahead. But um, I think certainly from our perspective, places like uh, the Middle East are where we're going to have the first sort of live events happening again
0: kevin i guess my next question for you mate is as an event tech provider how would you piece together the perfect set of technologies to make a really good experience from the attendee perspective but also actually from a perspective from marketing sales operations etc from the organizer side what would that look like to you
1: well, in terms of what we can do, we can provide pretty much all of the technologies that are there to facilitate the event. So um, what you've got to remember, especially on the virtual world, is that a, for a virtual event, the platform is your venue. So you want it to look really, really slick and represent your brand. But we can do all that. The element that we can't necessarily do at the moment or don't have that much of an interest in doing is the video production side of things. There's there's people out there that are going to do all of that type. So in an ideal world, and certainly for the large scale events, we're recommending that our clients work with a production company um, who will piece together things and have someone in the ear telling so-and-so that they're going on too long or they need to switch to the next step. Now it doesn't have to be that way. Um, for smaller scale events, there can easily be the ability to manage that all in one place with your own technologies and tools like Zoom. And it really does depend on the scale of the, the event itself. What we're finding is we're, we're talking to our clients, and we're talking to our prospects, we're getting a good understanding of what their requirements are, and we're able to work with them to make a call about whether or not they need to engage with a production company, which we can assist them with, or they need to engage with maybe a third-party tool or even just something as simple as a Vimeo, to make sure that we can get their content up onto our platform because the most important thing is you don't want the attendee dropping off of your venue and going somewhere else for the content and we're able to sort of fix that all in one place.
0: Yeah I guess um, attention spans are where as as organizers now with online events we're very much vying with everything else that's going off around that person right you know somebody that comes to a physical place uh, you've captured their attention for, for the, the amount of dwell time that they're there and it generally extends from you know a couple of hours to a couple of days doesn't it when especially if somebody's mm-hmm. paid to attend um especially at the moment with working from home you're also fighting with the attention of maybe your your partner or the dog or even yeah in, in
1: nine-year-old twins and a, and, a, and a nine-week-old puppy for me so yeah it's uh... <laughs>
0: We're all, I think I have this feeling that when we all start going back working from the office it's going to be a really weird environment that we don't have all this like background noise going on but I guess in the real world where we are now event organizers do have that challenge don't they they you know it's very much there's lots of other things that can take somebody's attention away very easily because you don't have to walk out of a physical venue to to. Yep call you can literally just log off i guess
1: but but also if you think about it in terms of a, an actual event the breakout sessions are within the venue you don't want your yeah. team going off and disappearing to the local coffee shop or another venue and it is the same for a lot of these uh virtual events we you want everything consumed in one place you don't want here's a link out and we we'll disappear off onto zoom and as you say then start looking up something else so that's what we're trying to help facilitate but it's sometimes there as a part of plugging in some third-party tools to do that
0: so do you think there's anything that kind of makes up that event tech stack for you that you would class as the the cool stuff at the moment the things that really capture people's attention or even maybe if that's format as well if you've got any experience on because i think that's one of the things that people are looking for at the moment is like what format do we need to do to make this yeah Aging. so what's what's your advice there mate?
1: well i mean format wise yes it's really really difficult to say i normally have a one-day event with back-to-back sessions and i'm expecting everybody to sit down and work through those sessions in one mm. place so we're finding there's a lot of okay maybe we should make this over two or three days um the second side of things i think that's interesting is, is around the networking functionality so typically at an event you've got all these different sessions going at different times and you might keep networking maybe all right there's networking times but it can be a bit more sort of open and we're sort of finding that actually building networking time into the agenda does help because you've got specific time for doing that networking where there's here's a list of attendees we're going to go through we're going to find people to engage with and we're going to meet with them Um, the concept of virtual roundtables is working quite well uh, and actually adding that in and whether or not these are Cool and new, no, Um, they're actually just mimicking what typically happens at a live event. And we are finding that that there's still fundamentally the same stuff that's important. Um, Security uh, is is really, really important, probably more important now because of the issues with uh, online Um, and actually networking and having relevant content is still the same. So there's not necessarily anything new and cool.
0: Um, it's just adapting it. Just yeah, I think, yeah, adapting it to, and, and maybe lubricating it a little bit more online and helping people along, especially if it's not something that they've experienced before. I, I had this yeah. really strange experience and I would class myself as very much a, an extrovert most of the time, most of the time. Um, I got thrown into an event the other day, which was um, totally something that i 'd not experienced before, but the networking element there was essentially... Here's a screen, turn your microphone and your camera on and we're gonna match you with somebody. I actually found that quite scary. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> Backed by it. But I guess as we as 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 our audience as well become more used to and aware of how or what the expectations are when we're networking online and how online events work, I guess from the organizers' job, that will become a little bit easier because you won't have to do the big education piece on this is mm going to make you feel engaged it'll be more experience based on what's expected I guess
1: yeah I mean you know at the end of the day for whether or not it's live virtual or, or hybrid things like recommendation engines are really really great and they are cool because there's a huge amount of content out there just like you have on Netflix and Spotify and, ever, and Amazon you are expecting things to be recommended to you Um, And actually that works quite well for the virtual world because you've got all this content up on a website. So let's start to look at what's recommended. You've got all these attendees uh, which are going to be increasing number of attendees now at a virtual event because there's no limit on capacity. So who do we recommend you engage with? And that stuff we were working on pre COVID-19 and it's stuff that's now continuing through the the virtual world as well.
0: Would, Would you see that as well, Kevin, that that would mean that, you know, I'm going to an event, you're going to an event. The system knows that we're connected in, in some way. We, we have some form of relationship, whether that's a connection on LinkedIn or, or we're from the same company or that, that kind of stuff. Could you see a, a future where what you do influences my recommendations as well because we have a relationship or even maybe a way that because you know that I'm at the event that you suggest other people or other content that... Yeah. So me?
1: There's real simple ways of doing that already. I mean, first of all, we already have a recommendation engine where we can filter out other individuals and match matchmake. That's, that's simple stuff. But actually, let's say uh, I'm a CMO and I'm attending this event. Well, we could look for our CMOs or sessions that are interested to them and recommend those sessions to like-minded people. So there's easy ways of doing that type of recommendation. Um, And that exists, like I said, whether or not it's a physical event, a live event or virtual, actually, sometimes it's a little little bit easier to make those recommendations on the web, because generally that would go through something like a mobile app as well.
0: Okay, it's interesting. I guess, what do you think as well that we're seeing now that maybe won't last? You know, there's always iterations of technology and types of events, and I think lots of people have been doing whole straight to session webinar and, and now they're trying to get a little bit more sophisticated and, and certainly bigger organizers are trying to get more sophisticated with lead generation and roi and that kind of stuff do you think we're seeing anything now that that actually won't test the um, last the time should i say
1: look i think that one of the things you'll find is if you google virtual events now there's everyone's stuck the word virtual and hybrid on their websites and it really is quite a minefield Um, you there's some really cool stuff that initially sort of grabs your attention which was out there before where you can spend half an hour dressing your avatar and making it look like you and walking around all these virtual booths and they're quite cool but is there longevity there Mm -hmm. so what happens when Adam you're going to the event but I'm consuming it at home Am I on one platform doing my virtual world and walking around and are you on another because you're there with your app and, and walking through? What we're really, really trying to focus on is how, to, how can that connection, how can we share a platform for virtual, live and hybrid? And that's what we're doing. Uh, if you're looking through an attendee list and you wanna see other attendees, it actually doesn't matter that you're at the event and I'm not, we can still network. We can yeah. have just a, a video conference side of things. If you're engaging in Q and A, and I'm engaging in Q and A, and we're at home, and I see that you've asked a question, I think that's interesting. I can connect with you. I, I haven't looked into the other tools as, as much as to know the full how it might work in the future or what their plans are. But I think it's quite a difficult ask to convince an attendee to sign up to the virtual platform and then have other attendees actually live at the event without the engagement there
0: I'd, I'd have to agree with you and and i would really class myself as somebody that's actually been brought up in that virtual world you know i'm i'm of the nintendo playstation xbox generation I, I, you know i'm not i'm not proud to say it, but i've still got one now that every so often I'll, I'll jump on and i'll i'll engage in a game with my friends it's it's how sometimes i, I relax but for me You know, very much so that the what's represented in terms of those virtual avatar things, I I think I'm the same. It it doesn't, it seems to be trying to replicate that physical element too much, too hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a B2B environment, especially, I mean, something like that may absolutely work in the environment of, let's say, a Comic Con, in my opinion you know where you've got that audience that are uh, that are happy to chill and maybe there's other activities and and things that they can do in groups and stuff like that that to me makes sense but in a b2b environment it's all, for me it's all about speed of access of content and information mm-hmm. you know you want to be able to jump in and out of that session as quick as possible get the exhibitor information as quickly as possible because we're busy people that's that's just how we are so for me at the moment anyway um, any kind of online VR company that's providing this technology out there, please forgive me. But for me, it seems actually like an extra hurdle or a barrier that people need to jump through at the moment to engage with what should be there at the click of a button.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it is difficult because they are cool and they, and the wow factor is there. But like I said, what happens when half of the attendees are at the event and half of them are online? Can they still engage with each other? Um, And they're, 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 advantages at the moment in terms of appeasing sponsors and giving them their virtual booths and that type of thing well we can do similar side of things but you're not necessarily walking around a 3d environment um but asking a c-level exec yeah to spend when they won't even register themselves for some of the the events to actually spend uh, half an hour making your avatar look like yourself might be a tough ask
0: Yeah. Do you think we'll see? uh, This is going off tech a little bit, but it's a question I'm asking um, a couple of people around that kind of facilitating. And you, you very much pointed it out there with those chief level execs that are time poor. Do you think we'll see a hybrid solution as well around matchmaking, where there will actually be a still a human element of it, of maybe a concierge service or somebody that's there to help the attendees or the exhibitors really get to who matters quickly? Because some large events 40,000 people that kind of stuff 20,000 people that's still a lot of people to try and get through to find who makes sense to talk to even with all the technology there to help you filter that down and things like that do you you see that as a future around
1: well I mean again it already exists there's a huge amount of organizations out there I was talking to someone just last week that generally works off of an excel spreadsheet for matching buyers and sellers there's buyers and within again our technology we have the ability to ha- allow an event organizer to match to create okay because again as you just mentioned c-level is that they they're coming along the time poor i want to know who i'm meeting and where i need to be yep. and we can help facilitate all of that the same boat of what we've just been talking about it doesn't actually matter that one person's maybe there or one's in hong kong and one's somewhere else you can matchmake them and put them together so there's matchmaking as a uh ai style talk, or their simple matchmaking as in let's get the basics we need adam to meet with kevin at <laughs> this time and let's put them together and give them an hour to chat I, um that goes
0: it. back to allowing our attendees to make recommendations to each other as well doesn't it that helps facilitate that that's still a human interaction but i guess as organizers it's not necessarily well, that having to do that
1: Or even for appeasing sponsors. So we've got sponsors or we've got an exhibitor um, and we want them to uh, get value for their money. How do we do that? Well, we offer them a roundtable opportunity, which, again, can be virtual, can be live, can be hybrid. And we're going to cherry pick 20, the top execs that we feel are relevant for them and try and get them into that room as an event organizer. And that can be done. Um, And like I said, that's happening already and it's happening in the same way in the sort of hybrid world
0: one of my other questions for you kevin is and i'm hoping that you've got the experience with other organizers to to offer some wider experience and and advice out there i know a lot of our listeners and a lot of our readers have come from a world where they've tended to offer content for free as a way to provide an audience to sponsor and exhibitor done a lot of hard work around that as well making sure that the right content is in place invested a lot of money and all that kind of stuff so I'm very hesitant to switch that model in terms of let's say start all of us are done charging the attendee um, I guess the experience there is well this content's always not cost me anything so why do I now have to to pay um, which is an old old problem that I guess as an industry we need to evolve out of but those organizers are currently looking at. Where can my revenue come from these hybrid events? I know what that looks like physically, but how do I make this online stuff pay? Have you got any advice there for, for, for our listeners on, on options?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, from our perspective, we're just hearing a lot of different from, uh, uh, options from event organisers. And some of them are looking at maybe reducing the price of a ticketed event, but... Of course, one of the beauties is you might not be limited in capacity now. Whereas we used to have a venue for 500 people, we can now allow tens of thousands of people in. And certainly via our platform, we're running virtual events for 40 odd thousand attendees. So that's where we sort of look at it for driving revenue, maybe for lead generation more people that are there, the more opportunities there are for that. And going back to that other side of things that we just talked about, it's, we're not limited in capacity, certainly for the virtual events. We have multiple rooms that we can host these types of roundtables in. Let's try and match makeup a little bit more and get buyers with the sellers and give that added value. Yeah. All right, there might not be a VIP dinner and champagne on arrival and that type of added value, but there certainly is still – uh, the ability to create added value in a short period of time um, for time-sensitive individuals and attendees and give them direct access to what they need right now. And that can be really, really beneficial to those that are sort of generating the revenue like the exhibitors.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think one of the things for me that's the most exciting about, I guess, a transition to possibly a hybrid future is very much when you are coming from a sales and marketing angle within any company, the justification of you investing in anything is the output, right? It's the data, it's the, it's the statistics, it's the, you know, eyeballs, it's, it's the leads and what that turns into out of the back end of an event. And events have gone through an evolution process where they've become more sophisticated with onsite lead generation tools, badge scanning, touch points, event apps. And then we saw, matchmaking start to play a role very much in the beginning but as that kind of for me takes a bigger role in events going forward it actually allows the sales and marketing team to justify or to track their investment much much easier to then reinvest in that event going forward or even increase their investment in that going forward um it was said on a a call that i was on this morning that there may be a time when exhibitions specifically get to a point where they no longer sell square meters they're selling on the basis of of lead generation just that you know google sells adverts to you or facebook it's all about these are the results and that's what you've paid for ultimately out of out of the back end of it um now I don't think that that takes away business from those in person, those physical events, the tickets, the the on site sponsor revenue. I actually think it gives our industry um, an opportunity to grow both in revenue and market share when it comes to digital marketing and things like that. I think it opens mm-hmm. up doors to other revenues and other facilitations. So I guess it's a statistics play long term, but I think for me that's what's really exciting is it actually it could actually really bolster our, yeah. our stream just well,
1: you get a huge amount of data from the events you get a huge amount of data from simple registration side of things and if you can as an example uh for your your b2b company and you've got the events happening and simply when an attendee registers can we link that with our crm to simply say okay is there a profile for that person already if there's not let's create one if there is let's update it and that type of thing can be done and the more and more the audience is going to grow the more and more you're going to capture and then you're even looking at where they are what they're doing this mm. type of thing not only to benefit yourselves but to benefit the attendee to personalize their experience at future events or even the event they're at right now they've looked at this we know that about them therefore let's direct them in this way and give them what they want to see
0: so keep selling to those attendees other things i think i think organizers are always looking at ways of either geo cloning or launching another thing and yeah you're right that that data insight will probably back up all those feelings of this is the right thing to do and then off the back of the data go, yeah, we've ticked the box. It's absolutely the right thing to do. Because we know our audience is, is interested. All the sponsors are there to su- support mm-hmm. and, and, and make that facilitation happen. I guess, Kevin, one of my, my final question for you today is, and this is a big one, and I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, and it's, 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 it's what could the future hold. But as an event technology company, what do you think the future of event tech looks like because it's had a massive evolution over the last eight years of you know even in in events cases time do you think it will be totally different in the next eight years to what we see now or do you think we're in that process of now it's about it's kind of like apple you know mm-hmm. apple was the big thing it was the it was the market shift it was a it was something that we'd never seen before but then slowly what apple have done is actually iterate and evolve and refine and make that technology even more compelling and better than what we saw um, that was mm-hmm. years ago, or something, wasn't it, or something like that? I can't, mm-hmm.
1: yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, look, there's certain things that will have to change, probably, and, and maybe even the short term, maybe long term, depend on COVID-19, such as touching touch mm-hmm. points. So, such as actually facial recognition for entrance to venues. Um, uh, we've already looked at technology that will take temperatures when attendees are arriving at the event. That type of thing is, I suppose, might be part and parcel just down to the health and safety side of things. In terms of where the events will go, I've always been a big advocate for trying to personalise the attendee experience. Yeah. Uh, actually, and I've worked on some huge events where they've simply said, when attendees turn up, I don't really want them to be making choices. I mm. want them, because it's huge. Some of these events are huge. I actually want to be directing individuals into where they want to go um, and guiding them through the journey of where we want them to go and that type of stuff is is available and is growing and growing I mean there's some amazing technologies out there now where we can almost sort of say so-and-so is walking up to a booth and because of the beacon technology they have I know that actually that's someone that is interested next and Adam needs to speak with them all right it's a little bit scary at times but who doesn't want to not waste time yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and and giving the ability to not waste time and direct people where they want to go if it's meaningful it's going to benefit everyone
0: i think you make a really good point there um we we like to think that people want choice and and that is true people do want choice but actually what they want is a refined choice isn't it generally um, you know, it's kind of like walking into a library and just going, well, we've got a million books for you to read. And you're like, well, how do I find the one that, you know, it's, it's a lot. Li- yeah. we're,
1: we're, we're walking into a library and going to the right section, but there's still a lot of choice. The section's the event because we're going in there and we know that this event is about X, but there's still a huge amount of choice. And
0: I like, get frustrated know. when Netflix doesn't show me five things straight away that, it, it, you know, I, I know I want to watch. And when I have to start hunting through Netflix, that becomes... Yeah. for me and I'm sure it's the same with attendees when they go to events especially the larger scale ones that you go to there's generally far too much content than you could possibly engage with probably far too many other types of stuff going off like roundtables and networking stuff and drinks and all that kind of stuff that you can go to and then just pure scale on people you know how do you find the people that really matter to you in terms of either your professional development, your personal development, or just cool people that you should meet and chat to, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I agree with you in the terms of like a personalized future um, is is one that I could see happening in the events industry and and become our role, I suppose, as the, the facilitator of that. Yep. Kevin, it's been really interesting to have you on today. For anybody that wants to connect up with you personally, or check out more about the full suite of technologies that EventsCase offer out to, to the sector? Where should they, where should they go?
1: So eventscase.com um, is great. Uh, feel free to link with me on LinkedIn. So it's Kevin Launch, L-O-R-C-H, and um, yeah, email address, klauch at eventscase.com.
0: Brilliant, Kevin. I'm definitely going to have you back on again in, um, I reckon, another six, 12 months or something like that. See how the market's changed. Hopefully we be back to, physical events then um and we can talk a bit more about that and on-site experience and stuff like that um but yeah thanks for have, uh, thanks for being on today and we'll catch you soon
1: yep thanks for the time adam cheers